These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. You again, right back here tomorrow night. Have a good night. On the program tonight, all loud war. Israel fights back. Why their counteroffensive will be unlike anything seen in modern warfare. Hamas threatens to execute hostages. And we will be forced to broadcast this execution. A family member tells us what we in America don't understand. This is our 9-11. This is, this is, the, this is the never coming back from moment in Israel. And a White House now must grapple with its failed Iran policy. President, was there uh, an intelligence failure in the lead up to this attack? Double standard. Gaza is some kind of, you know, strange, faraway place, people shouting with guns. It's actually a real place with real people. Why the media plays both sides with terrorists and celebrates Americans who support them. It's 7 p.m. in Washington, 2 a.m. in Tel Aviv, Israel, where Israeli forces will launch a major ground offensive into Gaza. We are talking about an invasion unlike anything the world has seen in modern military history. The Israelis will be heading quite literally into a hornet's nest that Hamas has spent years fortifying for the coming Fight. You can see Israel's Merkava tanks lined up, ready for the order. Casualties among the Israelis will be unthinkably high, as well as for the Palestinians in Gaza. The civilian population will be suffering in a way that is unimaginable by human standards. Since Hamas's surprise invasion of Israel and the slaughter of 700 Israeli civilians, we've been talking about a war in Gaza. And Gaza is admittedly a place that is far away. And objectively, and I have been there, it is one of Earth's true hellholes. And that is because of what Hamas and Iran do to the people of Gaza. But what starts in the Middle East often comes to America. The next attack could be in Israel's north. It could be American bases dotted around the Middle East. Iran has attacked those before. It could be in America. There was a time, of course, before 9-11 that we watched videos from the Middle East, we watched suicide bombings in Israel, and we thought terrorism could never come to America. It did on 9-11. And sadly, we predicted events like these a couple of weeks ago after President Biden cut his deal with Iran. It does not matter if you are a Republican, a Democrat, or a unicorn enthusiast. We as Americans are safest. The world is safest 
when America is feared and respected. That is undeniably true. And America right now is neither feared nor respected. In the latest example, we just gave Iran $6 billion for five American hostages. Even Jimmy Carter didn't do that. New reporting from the Wall Street Journal says Iran commanders gave Hamas the go-ahead to attack Israel and approved the battle plan just days after that deal was inked. And now Hamas promises to execute hostages if Israel's counteroffensive continues. Among those hostages, and we have seen the videos, we continue to get new ones of them being led off. There are men, there are women, there are the, there are the elderly, there are grandmothers, there are Holocaust survivors, and there are Americans. These aren't prisoners of war. These aren't soldiers that were taken in battle. Hamas kidnapped civilians and brought them to Gaza to be used as human shields and then to execute them as propaganda. One of those hostages, and look closely, is Erez Calderon. He's 12. We have his picture. There he is. That's him being kidnapped by Hamas gunmen. I spoke with his cousin earlier. She's from Virginia, and she now lives just north of Tel Aviv. We quickly understood that our family in near Oz, which is a kibbutz really, really close to Gaza, uh, had been infiltrated by Hamas. Um, and we were getting text messages that they were in the house and that they could hear gunfire and that they were scared for their lives. We'll hear more from Abby a little later, including why she thinks her fellow Americans back home don't get it. Specifically, she thinks President Biden doesn't get it, who hasn't been seen since a brief on-camera statement Saturday afternoon. We are told the White House now tonight is lit up in blue and white to show support for Israel. Not on Saturday, not on Sunday, but on Monday, it's lit up. Since the attacks, we've learned that Iran trained and aided Hamas for this unthinkable attack. It is unbelievable the sophistication that Hamas showed. They disabled Israel's observation posts by dropping bombs from drones. When I lived in the Middle East, Hamas had trouble putting together a two-car funeral. They were the most incompetent militant group you could possibly imagine. And somehow, over the past couple of years, they have gained unbelievable technological superiority and skill and battle discipline and command and control. Nothing changed in Gaza. Gaza got worse. They just got more help. The Hamas troops blasted through the Gaza barrier wall and they flew over it using paragliders. They trained for years, again, with a lot of help. And over the past 60 60 hours, the gunmen who came through the border wall have killed nearly 700 Israelis and took another 100 hostages, probably 100 plus, including a number of Americans. At this hour, the Israelis still believe there could be Hamas gunmen inside looking for civilian targets. Among the dead are 11 American citizens. President Biden put out a statement about their deaths a few hours ago. There seems little interest by the White House in discussing Iran and its role in the attack. That is unsurprising. We're going to get to Tel Aviv in a minute, but make no mistake, the world has changed. The taking of civilian hostages, ripping them from their homes is unthinkable to the Western mind. Many of the communities that they were taken from look exactly like communities in America. And the Israelis didn't think it could happen to them. Ambassador John Bolton is with us in a minute, but we start with Robert Sherman uh, in Tel Aviv for us what is now early morning. Robert, 
Uh, tell me how long it's been since the last sirens and what you're hearing uh, from the Israeli Air Force overhead. For the most part, things have been quiet here in Tel Aviv. We heard some sirens here this morning, but aside from that, most of the activity has been in South Israel. I can tell you this, Leland, that many Israelis are sleeping tonight with a confluence of emotions. There's anger for what has happened. There's disbelief that this was even possible, that it was even possible that a thousand terrorists could enter the country, that it was possible that hundreds of Israelis could be slaughtered. And then there's also fear for what the coming days will be bringing here, as many Israelis seem to be in support of the action taken by the government, but recognize that there could be responses and there could be more significant loss of life in the coming days as things play out here. One Israeli who was here on the beaches of Tel Aviv even said he was worried about leaving his house in the coming days. Another put it pretty well to us, saying every day here is a new reality Many Israelis going to bed tonight not knowing what that reality is going to be tomorrow. Leland? Yeah. Country of 7 million people. You have 300,000 plus troops right now ready to invade Gaza. That means everybody has a family member uh, quite literally now uh, at the tip of the spear because that's just how small of a country it is. Robert, uh, we'll check back in with you throughout the evening if things uh, develop. Thank you with us now. Ambassador John Bolton, former U.S. National Security Advisor under President Trump. It's good to see you, sir. I said earlier today I would be surprised if this conflict stayed solely between Gaza and Israel and contained to the Gaza Strip. Was I being too pessimistic? No, it won't stay that way because it didn't start that way. I I think, as your reporting earlier has already laid the basis for, we need to understand that this is an Iranian attack on Israel with Hamas as its very willing spear carriers. Uh, This has been planned for a long time. Remember, this is uh, almost exactly the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War against Israel, where, again, Israel was caught by surprise along the Suez Canal, along the Golan Heights on the West Bank, suffered terrible defeats before it got itself back on its feet. Same thing has happened here. We don't know whether Hezbollah will really join the action in the north, But this could not have happened unless Iran not only supplied and trained and financed Hamas and Hezbollah, but directed and controlled it. And the White House really needs to get a spine here and say what is obvious to anybody who knows this situation. This is entirely Iran's doing. And Iran is going to have to pay a price for it. Nobody knows that better than Bibi Netanyahu. So while the focus, quite understandably, is on southern Israel and Gaza, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Israeli government was looking at uh, striking Iran, too. And they should. Well, look, after uh, Munich, um, they, the Israelis hunted down uh, dozens of people around the world and killed them who were involved in that. The Israelis have long memories. You, you are one of the few people who have sort of a real insight into Benjamin Netanyahu. You've known him for a long time. Uh, he respects you. He talks to you. I, and I covered him when I was uh, in the Middle East and, and have since, but don't have anywhere near the understanding. His language today Uh, about an existential threat to Israel. Generations from now, we'll watch what we do. He seemed to be stealing his country for something that I had never heard any Israeli leader talk about, maybe with the exception of Golda Meir in 73. 
Right. I, look, th- that's that's why, to me, it's another indication that Netanyahu is thinking about Iran. Th- these terrorist attacks are barbaric. They've caused horrific damage. We, we know from the kidnappings uh, to be used as hostages, as bargaining chips. There's going to be more to come. Uh, but but it's not an existential threat to Israel. It can cause terrible damage, but the country itself will survive. An Iranian nuclear attack would provoke what former Prime Minister Ariel Sharon once told George W. Bush would be a nuclear holocaust. And that's on Netanyahu's mind, too. So first things first, he's got to stabilize the situation in the country where there may be uh, still a large number of terrorists loose. He's got to deal with Gaza. And then he's got to deal with the bigger picture. I think about the American administration, right? Because Israel's the little Satan, we're the big Satan. Um, after 9-11, you know, we thought anything was possible, al-Qaeda cells, whatever, that, that came now uh, to Israel, of the, these attacks inside its country. Um, in the past couple of uh, hours, uh, Secretary Blinken uh, has tweeted and then deleted a tweet that included talking about a ceasefire. Uh, he encouraged a ceasefire. Now he says that Israel has the right to protect itself. Uh, and then also, perhaps the most underreported story in Washington is the case of Robert Malley. He is was the special envoy. He's now been suspended to Iran from the Biden administration. His security clearance is under review. Uh, and his allegiance, whether it is to the United States or to Iran, is under serious questions. There's a member uh, of the political staff at the Pentagon uh, who also there are some serious questions about her allegiances to. Uh, what is it going to take in your mind? Maybe there's nothing. And I'm trying to figure out what the administration's sort of willingness to allow the Iranians to get away with all this stuff is. Well, I think uh, the Biden administration has made a total mess of Iran policy from the beginning. Their obsession, it's a, it's a theological obsession to get back into the 2015 uh, nuclear deal, very damaging to the United States, damaging to Israel, damaging to our Arab friends in the region. Still, they pursue it. They pursue it uh, despite all of the evidence that Iran has never uh, really decided to give up nuclear weapons. Uh, and they pursue it, as you say, even as their lead negotiator uh, is suspended and has his security clearances revoked. The closest analogy I can think of in contemporary American history is Alger Hiss, where everybody Mm. said, Alger Hiss can't be a communist spy. He was a Supreme Court law clerk. He works in the Roosevelt administration. Well, he was a communist spy. And there is an Iranian influence operation, and it has had its people uh, hired by the United States government. The administration has stonewalled congressional efforts to find out about Robert Malley. Mainstream media, frankly, are sitting on their posteriors as this story continues to grow. It's all about the administration's unwillingness to face up to the reality that the single greatest threat to peace and security in the Middle East are the Ayatollahs uh, in Tehran. And until they are prepared to address that, until the Ayatollahs pay a real cost for their horrific behavior, it will continue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think about the Iranians' denials of this, and it's like uh, looking at a kid who has uh, his face covered in ice cream, and he's saying, no, I didn't eat any ice cream. I promise it's still in the freezer. It just uh, it d- defies reality. Um, Ambassador, you were the right guest to lead us off tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, perhaps the images that will haunt the world, what we will remember 
And frankly, what has kept me up at nights, I'm sure has been difficult for many of you to explain to your kids, is the video of the hostages that we have seen, the images of the very young, the very old, mothers and children thrown, bloodied and battered into the back of pickup trucks, families huddling together. They were taken on motorcycles, manhandled, and brought into Gaza to become human shields and hostages and now evidently targets for execution. Those are the images that have hardened public opinion around the globe against Hamas and have haunted the loved ones of the estimated 100 Israeli civilians whose fate now is in grave danger. The hope for getting these folks back alive is very, very slim. I spoke to Abby Own. She has five family members who were abducted from their home in the early hours of the attack. Abby Own is joining us from just north of Tel Aviv. She's an American who's been in Israel for eight years. Uh, tell me about your family members who are in Gaza who've been kidnapped. Um, you know, we woke up on Saturday like everyone else in Israel to sirens, and we thought that it was the regular, uh, you know, run-of-the-mill war. Uh, we had family in the center, in the north and the south, and so we all started speaking on WhatsApp. And uh, we, we quickly understood that our family in near Oz, which is a kibbutz really, really close to Gaza, uh, had been infiltrated by Hamas. Um, and we were getting text messages that they were in the house and that they could hear gunfire and that they were scared for their lives. Hmm. And what, how do you know that they're now hostages? Um, we lost contact with them in the early part of the day on Saturday, around 11 or 12. And we assume that the army told them to stop using their phones. Uh, but we do know that Hamas burned and slaughtered many, many people in the kibbutz. The physical kibbutz is no longer. And the people that survived once the army took over were able to identify who was missing. Um, beyond that, we have video of Erez, who is 12, in the hands of Hamas. I am, I am so sorry. Uh, there's really, there's not, there's not words at times like this. They're just not. Uh, Look, and I know you've heard this already, but Hamas is now threatening to execute hostages if Israeli airstrikes continue. I know as a family member, you want nothing more than to get your family members back. At the same time, uh, Israel is going to be under the threat of, of Hamas for decades to come unless it's eradicated. What are, what are the conflicting emotions in your mind right now and in your heart? An impossible situation. As a parent, you know, I have three children the same age as these children who were kidnapped, and it is a parent's worst nightmare. I think, you know, we're sitting with for the last two days is that we are not, we have no ill will toward the Palestinian people. We have ill will toward Hamas. We have ill will toward terror. And the fact that 3,000 people could infiltrate a country and so brazenly kill and and do such inhumane things. This is really a humanitarian issue and not a political one. And we just want this to be resolved and we want these people returned home safely. Abby, do you think people in America understand this problem, what you're all going through? Absolutely not. What do you make of the Biden administration response so far? You're an American citizen. These people who are in Gaza are Americans. Is there been enough done to speak about the evils of Hamas end of Iran and put pressure that only America can put to bring these people home? No. I mean, it, it, I think it's been saying 
the things that you have to say and not putting the pressure on that you need to put. I think there has to be some sort of international diplomatic pressure. And I think, you know, look, this is our 9-11. This is, this is, the, this is the never coming back from moment in Israel. And when it happened in America, there, it was a very clear cut issue. And here it's not that way. And we need people to understand that this is terror. This is ISIS. This is, this is exactly the threat that we had in the United States you know, 20 something years ago. And we need the international community to respond the same way. What would be your message um, to your family that's kidnapped and to their kidnappers? My family, I want them to know that we love them and we're doing anything we can to get them safely returned. And to the kidnappers and to anyone else who can't understand this, I want them to think of their own family, of their mother and their father and their sister and their brother and their grandmother and think what that would be if they were in the hands of terrorists. It's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. It, is, it is unthinkable to those in America, and I think for so many in Israel it was unthinkable as well uh, until they Absolutely. all woke up on Saturday, on Saturday morning. Abby, thank you. We'll be thinking about you. Thank you so much. Take care. Next, why Israel never gets fair coverage in the media. It's so bad. Even one of MSNBC's favorite guests got angry. But I've got to ask, who is writing the scripts? Hamas? The people who did this, they are not fighters, Jonathan. They are not militants. And I'm looking right at the camera. They are terrorists. And there is other news to get to tonight. Louisiana schools dumb it down, lowering standards for high school graduates. More proof America may be slipping when it comes to enabling the youngest among us, to take on the world. Welcome back. Live pictures of Tel Aviv and Gaza. Tel Aviv is lit up. Gaza is dark because the Israelis have turned out uh, the lights there. And you'll see flashes of the Israeli uh, Air Force bombing as they begin to try and soften up the targets here. What is so difficult to understand about this conflict is the geography, and that's what is so important, is how close these two cities are. It is 40 miles from the Gaza Strip to Tel Aviv. It's only a couple of minutes uh, when Hamas launches rockets north, and it puts the major population centers of Israel in range of Hamas's rockets. For comparison, just in terms of what it would be like in the United States, it's 50 miles from Trenton to New York. It's 40 from Dallas to Fort Worth. This would be like Gary, Indiana, declaring war on Chicago and going into a music festival, sending fighters across the Indiana-Illinois border. And when we put up videos of the map of what that happened, this is what it looked like at that music festival. And now we have the video of the Gazans taking back a boyfriend and his girlfriend from that music festival. This gives you a sense of just how tight things is. The place that when I was there was the one way in and one way out of Gaza was Erez Crossing, one of the most fortified borders in the world that was thought to be impenetrable. And this, when we look at this, is what we can show you. The Israelis uh, had built these walls and that's what the Gazans blasted through. We showed you how they dropped hand grenades down uh, into the observation post and then broke through uh, the wall. And then they made it into Israel and for there uh, began their attack. When it, evidently, we're seeing this being told that our wall now uh, is frozen. We want to bring in a four-star retired general. Oh, the general, the general is frozen. 
This happens sometimes in television. We're going to get to General Breedlove, the former uh, Supreme Allied Commander, to show you and talk about what the Israelis are up against. But we want to show you here on the map, and this might give you a sense of what's happening. Gaza is 25 miles long, 7 miles wide. It's the most densely populated place, one of the most densely populated places on Earth, more densely populated than the city of Philadelphia. When the Israelis uh, withdrew from Gaza, they put a large buffer zone here that I'm drawing in red. And this was to give them defensible space so they could see if Hamas militants came across from here, 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 and here towards Israel. Now the Israelis' tanks formations, which are here, 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 and here, where they're staging, we showed you those videos of tanks, they're going to have to cross with infantry this defensible space. So effectively, the Israelis create a killing zone for Hamas. And remember, Hamas has had years to turn each one of these refugee camps. It's a little difficult to see on the satellite imagery here, but these are very densely populated refugee camps with alleys that Hamas has turned into hornet's nests. So once the Israelis make it across here, They enter into an area that Hamas has spent years upon years trying to turn into a hellscape for the Israelis when they come through. Not to mention massive numbers of civilians trapped in the middle. Retired four-star general uh, from the Air Force, Supreme Allied Commander Philip Breedlove uh, is with us now. Uh, General, I, I said at the top of the show that this battle for Gaza... Uh, if the Israelis truly want to destroy Hamas, uh, is going to be unlike anything we ever saw in modern warfare. Evidently, the general shot has frozen again. Uh, but what, what I'm hearing is from my military sources that this is going to make like the battle for Mosul or the battle for Baghdad, where the U.S. military took enormous casualties. Uh, this is going to be sort of three, four, or five times that. And we heard that from Prime Minister Netanyahu today when he talked about just how difficult this war is going to become. And the reason that the Israelis are willing to accept these casualties is because they view it as an existential threat. They view both Gaza uh, to the south and Hezbollah in the north as something that could threaten the very existence of the state of Israel. As we told you, Hamas had to blow through the Israeli border wall that's right here, but they were able to send operatives across and into Israel. The question is, are there already Iranians who are plotting to be able to come into the United States in the very same way? A new warning about Iranian tactics that we're watching as we see the Iranian forces head towards Israel, what that means for the United States when we come back. We'll continue to cover, obviously, the events in Israel, but there is other news tonight to get to. Just when you thought the dumbing down of America couldn't get any dumber, well, now Louisiana's Board of Elementary and Secondary Education has figured out a way to have universal graduation, diplomas for everybody, and there will be no more failing schools. That would be great, because one in five kids in Louisiana do not graduate from high school. The proposal published in the Louisiana Register aims to allow students not meeting the current graduation standard to complete a project or portfolio that their teacher would grade with a passing grade. Students would receive a diploma and wait for it that would count towards their school's accountability rating score. In other words, the teacher and school now decide what kids graduate. 
so we can forget tests or objective standards. It's much like the program we told you about two weeks ago that changes the SAT in the name of equity. The dumbing down of America and its predictable results. Our latest example comes from a New York Times op-ed lauding the SAT's relaxed standards. The SATs will be different next year, and that could be a game changer. This is all according to Adam Grant. He's a noted proponent of unleashing hidden talent and potential by changing standards. Trish Regan's here, host of The Trish Regan Show. I can't figure out who these groups are trying to help. Are they trying to help themselves so the graduation rates go up? Or are they trying to help the students who, in the end, are just going to get hurt by having lower standards? No, they're totally trying to help themselves. And, and and make themselves look more appealing, right? Oh, look at our graduation grades, isn't that? Yeah, I, I, I've I followed this for years, Leland. I remember doing a story for CBS News years ago on how kids were being passed along class to class to class, year to year to year, that couldn't read, that could not read. And I said, well, how do you make it from fifth grade to sixth grade or sixth to seventh? And the answer was, Leland, no teacher wants to deal with it. So they just pass them on. Somebody else's problem. And this is what these schools are doing. We're just going gonna to have them all graduate. We're going to look good. It's going to be somebody else's problem, society's problem. When you've got things like equitable math, so now we rethink the standards. I guess they don't want us to know that $33 trillion in debt is actually $33 trillion in debt. Or you say, okay, everybody's going to be in the honors class this year because we'll all feel better. What you're actually doing simultaneously is hurting those kids that actually could be the game changers, that could be the ones that are the, the scientists and the, the intellects yeah. that will lead to great new discoveries. Now you're disenfranchising them all in the name of equity. Well, by the way, you've done nothing, absolutely nothing to help those kids that need the extra help so that they can legitimately make it into the honors class. Yeah, look, and, it, and you also can't help the kids, right, who end up, who, who are going to need to just function in society. Forget the honors class, just basic yeah. reading, and, reading and writing. We know that reading, we saw what happened in Mississippi. We've covered it extensively when they actually put real standards back in. Um, it was minority kids who by far were, be, were benefited from it. Uh, test scores declined in 13-year-olds. Uh, I got about 30 seconds. Reading down four points, uh, math down nine points, the lowest since 1990. Is there anything that turns this around? I, I think there's a lot of things it's hard to answer in 30 seconds. I mean, parents, parental involvement, family, community, all these things that, that help boost a child. But I think the reason you're seeing such incredibly low scores, and this is across the board, and by the way, across socioeconomic groups, across race groups, it's because of what happened during COVID that yeah. shut down that led to so many kids falling behind. And I don't think that changes. I think that you've got kids that are at least two years behind and that's gonna stay because there's no will, right, amongst the public school system to actually make up that time. If right. anything, they're just thinking, you know, hey, maybe we do the Zoom yeah, thing no, more or, often. Or, or, or for the teachers unions to admit what the problem was, yeah. right? Because in order to solve the problem, you gotta admit what it was. Trish, thank you very much. We, ex we appreciate it. Uh, back to Gaza now, where the Israeli ground offensive will likely begin either overnight tonight or perhaps overnight tomorrow night. The Israelis prefer to use uh, the cover of darkness because they do have an advantage on night vision uh, over Hamas. Just off the coast of Gaza is the USS Gerald R. Ford, America's newest aircraft carrier, and her battle group of destroyers and escort ships. 
There is no country in the world that can project force like America. The carrier battle groups are the tip of the spear. Yet Hamas says they aren't scared. And the U.S. administration must realize the consequences of this step. That struck us as curious. Congressman Mark Green is here, former Army Special Operations Flight Surgeon, now chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. It's good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Leland. Uh, I, I get saying, like, we're not scared. I don't quite understand the consequences line. I think the reason Hamas isn't scared is they are holding our hostages. They have Americans in the mix, and uh, they, they think that's a leverage point for them. But who, who knows? I mean, in the one point, I'm the you know, chairman of Homeland Security, in the 1.7 million known gotaways, how many Hamas people are in there? I mean, Secretary Mayorkas can't tell us that. Um, clearly, we've had an open border now for two, two and a half years, and uh, who knows who's here? So, sure, I mean, it's, it's, it's very concerning. Yeah, well, and you've, you've talked before. We're showing pictures about military-age men, whether they be Chinese, sure. Venezuelans. We've caught people on the terror watch list. It only makes sense to think that they're people who are not on the terrorist watch they're list. They're still looking for ISIS folks if, that we know are here. Wow. All right. Um, so much has been made about the attacks in Gaza uh, or in Israel from Gaza as an intelligence failure, intelligence failure, intelligence failure. A, a huge part of that it was underestimating what Hamas was able to do, therefore underestimating what the Iranians had been able to teach them. Uh, who is to say that there's not more unknown unknowns, to quote Donald Rumsfeld? <laughs> yeah, we, there, absolutely, there could be. And the problem is, is we don't have anyone thinking of the possibilities. We have 20,000 Chinese nationals, military-age men, coming into the United States, being released into our country, right? And, and they're not thinking that perhaps the Russian model in Ukraine isn't being mirrored no. here? I mean, they can't use their imagination to figure that out? I think you don't have to use much imagination, though, to watch what some would call protests. You can call them rallies, whatever you want to call them, of the pro-Palestinian groups. And these are people carrying signs that are calling for the annihilation of the state of Israel. State of Israel is the little Satan, we're the big Satan. Sure. How is it that these are not surrounded by FBI agents? How is it? We'll get to the media coverage in a minute. But I, I'm, I'm wondering if, if this is not the face of what may be the, the next attacks. Well, again, you go back to the, the unknowns, right? But we do know, what we do know is the FBI tracks many of these individuals with ties back to, you know, either... Hamas or Hezbollah or ISIS, any of the groups, Islamic Jihad, we track all of those. And, and those people, some of them are even surveilled. Uh, so it, who knows if these people are someone that is in that group or just folks that maybe Iranian disinformation has uh, manipulated in the U.S. We know that's happened before, too. I mean, they even recruited, the Taliban even recruited an American to go over and Americans to go over and fight for them. So, yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you, sir. Yeah, Thank you very me. much. Almost 3 a.m. in Israel right now. Another night of no sleep for millions of innocent civilians terrorized by Hamas. Much of the American media is just fine with that. And they make no difference and no distinction between those that murder innocent civilians and those that protect them. Hamas mainly attacked military establishments, military installations. Show me that smile. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes to move the world. There you have the facts of life. The facts of life. What will we do, baby? Without us. Don't 
Okay, do you sense a theme here? Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to rewindtv.com and check it out. The Supplemental Security Income Program provides monthly payments to help meet basic needs, like putting food on the table, paying the rent, or buying new shoes for growing feet. You may qualify if your income and financial resources are low and you are 65 or older, or an adult or child with a disability or who is blind. Call 1-800-772-1213 or go to ssa.gov SSI to start to apply. Produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. My dad was my hero. I wanted to do something to help people just like he did. A few years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer from doing search and recovery at Ground Zero in the aftermath of 9-11. I was holding his hand when he took his last breath. I didn't want to let him go. First Responders Children's Foundation gave me a scholarship that changed my life. I'm a nurse now. Go to firstrcf.org and make a difference today. My mom has taken up going to the park to practice yoga. My dad's going to a club, but not a book club, a salsa club. Finding new hobbies comes with age. My mom has started getting lost and not knowing where she's going. Becoming lost or disoriented doesn't. Confusion with time or place may be a sign of Alzheimer's. An early diagnosis can help improve the quality of life for your loved one. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. Brought to you by the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Elizabeth Vargas, delivering fact-based, unbiased news from all sides. Now you can discover the mysteries of ham radio. Using modern transceivers, you can make friends all over the world, even talk to astronauts in space, ships on the high seas, and flying aircraft thousands of miles away. Unlike phone users, ham radio operators talk absolutely free and provide vital communications during disasters or emergencies. To find out more about ham radio, visit us at ARRL.org. And remember, unlike the Internet, we crisscross the entire globe wirelessly. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Each week, VA sends an email to over 13 million veterans. It's jam-packed with veteran discounts on hundreds of services, job listings, and information on home loans, plus access to many local events for veterans and their families. Subscribe for free at va.gov vetresources to learn more. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. TheHill.com is the trusted leader for political news information and opinion. Free online, TheHill.com brings you the latest news, video, and insights from Washington, impacting you and your family. TheHill.com gives context to the nation's most critical issues with unbiased, nonpartisan news from Capitol Hill, the campaign trail, and across the country. Read what our nation's leaders read, watch the latest events, and sign up for daily newsletters. Stay connected to the players. Visit TheHill.com and watch The Hill Show on News Nation every day at 5 Eastern, 4 Central. Live pictures right now of Tel Aviv. The streets are dead quiet uh, there. 
as we look down one of the streets in Gaza is completely black, which is where hundreds of American hostages, well, hundreds of hostages, perhaps, uh, and some of them are Americans are being hold, held. Chris Cuomo just arrived uh, in Amman, Jordan, making his way over to Israel. And I think, Chris, you said it well, that the images of people being taken out of their homes, homes that look like uh, Pleasantville, America, and drug across the border uh, by terrorists and then held hostage and now under the threat of execution is something, certainly in America, you never really considered. And most of the folks I knew in Israel when I was there didn't consider either. Um, I think you're absolutely right. We've never seen anything like this. That's why we came. Um, look, it's going to be quiet at night here because, in part, of the hostages. Uh, the Israelis often counterattack at night, uh, and obviously they have the ability to see at night with their different systems and attack at night. There's always a good uh, defensive mechanism in that right cover under darkness of night, but they can't do it right now because they don't know where the hostages are. We've never seen anything of this scale or scope or these tactics be used by Hamas before, which leads to the obvious question. Who helped them do this and why now? This scale of a fighting force, these many different layers of attack, uh, all the different machines and equipment that they use, getting hundreds across and into different areas in Israel, all without Israel, Israel even knowing it was coming or its partners knowing. You know, as we are on TV right now, we can watch in the West, we're seeing flashes in the night sky. That's to be expected, okay? And this is going to go on for a long time. There are two big questions, okay, that really should resonate back home. One, is this going to become a regional conflict? Because Hamas did not do this on its own. Is Iran going to join outright? Are they going to do the same thing with the brothers to the north for Hamas, Hezbollah and Lebanon? Is Syria going to get involved uh, as it did in the Yom Kippur War back in 1973? What does that mean for America? Now, ordinarily, we know the answer to that question. Israel is never in the business of asking for American military help on the ground, but we've never seen anything like this, and Americans may be involved. And I think it's a part of the story that is probably not fully understood, but also not being fully explained by our government, okay? And any flashes you see, that's what we expect uh, on that side. You also have some thunderstorms in the area, so some of it could be lightning also. Mm. But. There have to be American hostages. As you were saying earlier on the show in your yeah. really good interview that you just had, uh, we've seen the scenes. So why is Kirby uh, at the Pentagon for the Biden administration saying we have no confirmed reports of American hostages? Yeah, they do. How many? We heard a dozen, then dozens, now over 100. Maybe there are hundreds. What if they start killing American hostages and other hostages. What does that mean for America? So we've never seen anything like this, and it's why we have to be on the ground to tell America what's going on. Yeah, it, go, it goes back to the images I'm sure a lot of Americans will remember from the Iran hostage crisis uh, with the embassy in Tehran. Uh, Chris, uh, we'll follow it, and obviously uh, coming up, listen to your interview with Robert O'Brien, former National Security Advisor, in a couple of minutes. Uh, Chris made an excellent point, which is the coverage of all of this and how the coverage should have changed when we saw Hamas do what it did, but it has not. The unfairness towards Israel continues. Why is that when we come back? I am angry. I am angry with the world that allowed the dehumanization of Israelis and sanitized the terrorism of Hamas. I must say, I love this show and I love this network. 
But I've got to ask, who is writing the scripts? Hamas? The people who did this, they are not fighters, Jonathan. They are not militants. And I'm looking right at the camera. They are terrorists. It's Jonathan Greenblatt of the Anti-Defamation League talking on MSNBC. It's a show he's on a lot, as you heard. He took them to the woodshed over their both sides coverage of the attack on Israel. MSNBC, of course, is not alone. Coverage of this weekend's pro-Palestinian marches often neglected to note the people that you see are celebrating the slaughter of hundreds of innocent civilians and supporting a terrorist organization threatening to execute women and children. News Nation contributor, founding editor of Mediaite, Colby Hall, is here. Why is it that Israel, and Jews for that matter, is the only group that the, liberal me- that the most liberal of media is just fine being unfair to? That's a great question. And, and as you pointed out, I mean, Jonathan Greenblatt, it was a stunning moment when he, on MSNBC, he called out MSNBC's coverage. A lot of these left of center uh, opinion hosts, especially on MSNBC, did not parade themselves in glory. Uh, and it's not so much, I think, that they are sort of there's hatred towards the Jews or anything like that. But when they're, you're falling over yourself to explain the, the, the need for context and nuance while you're still counting dead bodies and learning about kidnapped children and women and grandparents, you know, it's a tell. It's revealing that if you can't have the humanity to sit there and grieve and be shocked by an unfolding story uh, and and are so quick to talk about context and, oh, well, the Gaza Strip is a, a, you know, sort of as a concentration camp. All of that very well may be true. Give it a breath. Give it a pause. Yeah, well, it would... What defies me and somebody who lived there is the conflating of the two things, right? As if the death of a Palestinian gunman inside Israel is the same as the death of a Pal- the Israeli civilian that the gunman killed. But all of a sudden, the death toll has been, you know, the death count is up to whatever. Um, that, there is no context there. I, I'm glad you brought up, though, in, in the break, as you and I were talking, the issue of Ukraine and Russia and the conflict there. Because there, MSNBC, CNN have no problem talking about good guys and bad guys. It's very clear in that. Uh, and the double standard could not have probably been clearer. Fareed Zakaria talking to Mustafa Barghouti. Take a listen. So, of course, Palestinians turn to resistance because they see that this is the only way for them to get their rights. The question here is not about dehumanizing Palestinians as is happening and calling them terrorists. It's about asking the question. Why the United States supports Ukraine in fighting what they call occupation, while here they are supporting the occupier who continues to occupy us? It's stunning to me. There is no way CNN would air uh, a glowing interview salivating over some spokesman for Vladimir Putin. No, uh, though we did see some of that on Fox News under Tucker Carlson, but the larger point absolutely remains. Um, you know, to make that comparison is uh, is stunning, but it reveals that one very sort of clear perspective. You know, one person's uh, sort of uh, freedom fighter is another person's terrorist, right? And to, to sort of have the temerity to, to amplify that in the middle of this crisis 